0: and receive. Amen. Amen. Love, you. Love you. Okay, we need one more wicket. For the, one of the greatest victories of all time in India. So anyway, I'll put that away so I'm not distracted. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. I've, I've been named and shamed, haven't I? Um, right. Um, John Wimber um, founded the Vineyard Movement in the early 1980s. And um, after a guy called Ken Gullickson had planted a few churches that he'd called vineyards. Ken was a fantastic church planter, but he didn't feel able to lead a movement of churches. And so when John Wimber emerged um, and his church joined this group of vineyards, he became kind of the leader of the movement and led it for quite a number of years. And in the early days of the vineyard, I think he was in a restaurant somewhere, this, this person came up to John and said, okay then, tell me what this vineyard is all about. And so John, one of John's amazing gifts was he could summarize things really easily. And, and so he got a napkin and he drew what we call the vineyard person. And so to start today, I want to just unpack what this vineyard person is is all about, because it, and then I'm going to pick up some of the bits in my talk. So, here's the vineyard person. Um, we stand on the Bible. That is our foundation. So, you know, scriptures, the truth of God's word is what we stand on. You know, that defines all that we do. And it also gives us an insight into the kingdom of God. So, we very much talk about the kingdom, that we are seeking to extend the kingdom of God. That we understand about the rule and reign of Jesus on the earth. That heaven invading earth. We understand that through the scriptures. And so we stand on the Bible which gives us an understanding of the kingdom of God. And that really is where we start, what, where we move from. And then we have two legs in the vineyard. We have worship and intimacy. We love, I mean, a Joah and the band led us in beautiful intimate worship today. And that is one of our core Values, And so we stand upon worship and intimacy. And then the other one is compassion. We just love to serve people who are in need. And it's why we do amazing things throughout the week to try and help people who are maybe struggling. And so compassion is another leg we stand on. So if you ever wonder why, as a church, we do so much in that kind of aspect of life, it's because it's one of our core values as a movement, and it always has been. Okay, and then we have the body, and I'm going to come back to that in a minute, so hospital, we have hospital, what's the next one? Community. And then we've got, I've got it here, school, and we've got army, and I'm going to come back and that's going to be what I'm going to look at today. But then we have two arms. And we have church planting, and it's so exciting to see what the Lord is doing in South Shields because we want to see God's kingdom multiplied. You know, a few years ago, we launched out Darlington Vineyard, who are just doing amazing things in Darlington because we love to see expressions of local church popping up all over the place. And then the second arm is church development. It used to be called renewal. We want to be a movement. We want to be a church that blesses the wider church that sees all churches thrive and flourish and grow and be extended. And then at the top, obviously, Jesus is the head of our church, is the head of the church. And so that is the vineyard man. And so that is kind of our vision and our values, if you like, in a nutshell for our whole movement. And so every vineyard church kind of encapsulates these things. Oops. Oops. Ages have stuck together and this was what kind of drew us to the vineyard even before we kind of have ever seen this we saw the worship we saw the compassion we saw the kind of just the love of the scriptures we saw the kingdom being extended we love the idea of starting new churches and we love the fact that jesus was head over everything and so it drew us to the vineyard movement and the rest is history. Well, it's not. If you want to hear the story, then come to our newcomers' gathering at lunchtime, and we'll tell you how this church was called into existence. But we still love the simplicity of this vision. You know, it's simple. If we do these things, then we do believe the kingdom of God is extended. It, is not, it doesn't need to be complicated. And that's another reason why we love the vineyard, because it's not that complicated. And so during this series of the building blocks for life, Don unpacked in the first talk the importance of intimacy with Jesus, of doing life with Jesus, that we are called to a prayer of, a life of prayer and worship, that, that leg, we're called to that, we're called to that life. And then Palumi picked it up and he did a fantastic job of teaching us that the Bible really does matter, that it needs to be the basis of all of our life and, and that we need to be hearers of the word and as well as doers of the word. And so he taught us about the foundation. And then Joe last week picked up the series and reminded us that we are called to be a church on mission. We need to be extending Jesus' kingdom everywhere and in every way and that's through compassion, through church planting, through evangelism. We are an army. And that was fantastic talk. And, and I just loved... Last week, ministry time, I mean, for those of you who weren't around, you missed a treat. It was so powerful, and to see so many people kind of come forward for ministry to, to receive and to say, we want to lead somebody to Jesus this year, you know, and then to, for us to turn and look outwards and say, look, you know, we exist for these people. We want to see these people come to know the Lord and experience his kingdom, So what I want to do today is I want to look at that middle bit. The title of today's talk is Let's Be Family. And so what does it mean to be the body of Christ? What does it mean to be the church gathered, to be this family in Wall's End and in Marley Hill and across this region? What does it mean? And it it means we're four things. We're a school, we're an army, we're a community, and we're a hospital. And so we're going to unpack those things today. I'm going to kind of touch on the first two because kind of the rest of the guys have kind of covered those. And I'm going to probably focus on community and hospital. So let's start with the school. Proverbs 27:17 says this. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. 2 Timothy 3. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that your, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Matthew 28, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The body of Christ and every expression of it, every local church is called to make disciples, to encourage each other on to love and good deeds, to challenge so that we can grow and mature in holiness. And Pulumi and Don's talks, if you haven't heard them, go back and have a listen. Because they, they kind of challenged us in that area of, of having a life with Jesus and being grounded in the scriptures. Paul writes to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of. The local church is to be a school, a place of learning and growth. Discipleship, learning, to be an apprentice of Jesus is fundamental to the role of the local church. We are all to imitate Jesus. We need to be transformed daily into a greater reflection of Jesus. It is each of our responsibilities, but it's also the call of the church to equip the saints for works of service, to train all in the ways of Jesus. So firstly, life in your church is to be a school. But like all schools, it requires the students to engage with growth in their own lives. And that is the invitation of Jesus to all of you, to me, and and that is the invitation of us as leaders, that we would choose to grow, to learn, to be an apprentice of Jesus. So the local church is a school. And secondly, the local church is an army. Isaiah 61 says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We are to be an army, not with weapons of guns and swords, but with the gospel and with the demonstration and proclamation of the kingdom. We are commissioned to go and make disciples. We are commanded to destroy the works and the schemes of the evil one. We are to heal the sick, to be workers of miracles, to care for the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted. That's all right. That's the stuff I've read. If it was the other side, I'd be panicking. Um, But no, that's okay. I can cope with that. Um, What am I saying? Yes. We are commissioned to go and make disciples. Care for the poor, bind up the brokenhearted. We are to partner with Jesus in seeing heaven invade earth, to see the rule and reign of Jesus spread across the earth. You know, I loved what Joe said last week. And I, as I said, I loved the ministry time. To see the heart of this church for those that don't know Jesus was just beautiful. You know, if you like, in the school, we learn about the stuff. But in the army, we learn to do the stuff. You know, in the school, we learn about the stuff. In the army, we learn to do the stuff. And to be followers of Jesus, we need both. We need both. So we are a school, and we're an army. And thirdly, and importantly, we are a community. Now, community is one of those words that's really difficult to define. You know, we hear it so much. Oh, community this, community that what does it actually look like? What does it mean to be community? What does it mean to be community in the church? You know, as I said, when I wrote this kind of series back in September last year, um, I called it Let's Be Family. Let's be family. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be family in the church? So, I came across this picture. Now, you, somebody might tell me I've got it wrong, but I think it's by Leonardo de—not DiCaprio. No, Leonardo da Vinci. It wasn't definitely by Leonardo DiCaprio, um, although he might be a good painter. I just don't know. Um, anyway, Leonardo da Vinci. And he's, wrote, he's painted a few pictures about the, of depictions of The Last Supper. But I particularly liked this one. You see, when you look at the picture, for me, that speaks of Family. It speaks of family that, you know, they loved each other and they had gathered around Jesus. You know, it speaks of the church. You know, Jesus is in the center and his disciples are gathered around him. Not in some sort of lecture theater, but around a table having food. Doing life together. I just love it. I just love the picture. You know, and you see these little conversations all around him. You know, They're not all just listening to every word Jesus said. They're being family together. They're doing life together. They're in community. And um, you'll see at the bottom um, the bowl and the jug. Can you see that? Because Jesus was going to wash the disciples' feet. John 13, 2 to 5 says this. see, Jesus modeled what it means to be community, what it means to be family. The disciples had been on mission with Jesus, doing all sorts of incredible things. You know, they, they had been an army. They were also his disciples. You know, he is their rabbi. They were at school. And now they gather as family around the table, enjoying food and life together. But as the meal progresses, Jesus shares the news of his imminent death. He reassures the disciples, you know, this is real life. This is real life. It's not just the superficial stuff, but the deep and difficult stuff too. Jesus as church is to be a safe space to journey through life's hard stuff too. We'll come back to that as we look at hospital in a minute. The church is to be real with each other. It is to share the good and the bad, the happy and the sad. We eat together, we laugh together, and we cry together. Then Jesus does something that evening that sets what he wants the hallmark to be, his, to be within his church. He gets that bowl, and he pours in the water, and he washes and dries the feet of the disciples. And this shouldn't have come as a surprise to the disciples as Jesus had made it clear in his teachings that for even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And here we are at the Last Supper, surrounded by his friends, being family, sharing the reality of what the next few days is going to bring, that he will give his life for a ransom for many. He then demonstrates what it means to be a servant as he wa- washes dirty, dusty, probably smelly disciples' feet. Amazing. If the host team could bring the bowls out, that's all right, I'm only joking. i joking. But Jesus did model what it means to be community, to be family. And for us to be community, to be family, we need to learn to be servants of each other. You know, after washing Jesus' feet, Jesus said this. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. What's he saying? He's kind of saying, you need to do the same as me. You need to be servants. We are in community to serve each other. We are metaphorically... And maybe sometimes, literally, to wash each other's feet. I often think that in the 21st century, with the need for churches to be charities, to be organizations, in some ways like any other, with logos and websites and all of that kind of stuff, that we lose sight of why we serve. Why we give our time, our energy, and our money. You now, why? Why is it? Why do we do that? I feel maybe the church in the West, and for a proportion of Christians, we have forgotten that we don't join an organization. We join a family. I Googled online church and found lots of adverts for online church, so I picked out a couple. It just struck me a couple of things in them. It says, church online, free online. I was like, okay, so to some people charged. Um, but um, and then another one was live church service from home Jesus never designed his church to be free distant and comfortable we were never designed to watch church from home like we would do a film or EastEnders there is a caveat to that and I'll come back to that in a couple of minutes but it's hard to serve from a sofa So if you're watching our live stream and you're able to come in person, then my challenge to you is to come to church, to be family. Whether that's here or Marley Hill or any other church for that matter. To be in person, to come and to be part of the family. I suppose, what am I saying? Well, I'm saying that Jesus designed each expression of his body the church to be community, to be family. And for that to happen, we are called to imitate Jesus and serve each other. Sometimes in ways we actually wouldn't choose to serve, but we see the need. I was thinking about Jesus waking up that morning, and, um, and I was wondering, you know, what did he think? Because he must have had a plan, because the bowl um, is, is there waiting for him. Did he think, "Oh, I'm really super excited today. I'm going to be able to wash 11 people's stinky feet." I wonder if that's what he thought, you know? No, he's human. He's going to be going. That's not going to be the best thing I've ever done. Um, But he was also excited. He was excited because he's a servant, and he wanted to serve. We don't always want to serve. But if we're going to be family, we need to learn to serve, even if it's stuff we don't enjoy. Because we need to wash each other's feet, metaphorically. Because it's an attitude, it's a culture. And it makes Jesus' church stand out. The love and service we give to each other, and for those struggling across the region, demonstrates the kingdom in ways words could never And later in John 13, Jesus gives the disciples a new command. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, we are a school learning to be apprentices of Jesus, imitating his attitudes and his ways. We are to be an army on mission seeking to destroy the schemes of the evil one and usher in the rule and reign of Jesus across this region and beyond. We are to be a community, a family, that does life together, eats together, gathers around Jesus together. He is the center, he is the head. But crucially, that embraces Jesus' call to love and serve one another. But the body of Christ, the local church, is to be one more thing we're to be a hospital. Nicola is reading through Job at the moment. And um, for those of you that don't know about Job, maybe you've not read it for a while or you've um, never read it. In a nutshell, Job Job loses everything. His whole life is turned upside down. And the devil says to God, basically, if Job loses everything, he's going to stop worshiping you. And God says, I don't think he will. And so he does lose everything, but even in the darkest and deepest of valleys, he still honours God with his life. And how did he get through this? Um, Well, the story's complex, and it's kind of worth a read, but there's one bit in chapter two where we see that he's in community. He's got friends. He wasn't on his own. I'm dyslexic, and there's some difficult words, so... Forgive me when I read them wrong, um, but I'm going to give it a go. When Job's three friends, Elphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shushite, and Zophar the Naamathite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they, were, they could hardly recognize him. And they began to weep aloud. And they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. You know, we have some fantastic pastoral staff here at Marley Hill. We have some community, amazing community pastors we have some fantastic life group leaders. But here is the thing the body of Christ, the, the local expression of Jesus' church, this family, you know, we're all to be friends. We're all to be friends. And we are all to, we're all to love and look out for each other. The image painted in Job is profoundly moving. Three friends drop everything. They leave their home. And I don't know how far away they live from Job. You know, you get the feeling it's quite a distance. And why do they do it? Because they hear that Job is having a difficult time. They may not see themselves as pastors. You get the sense they don't have a plan. They don't know how to help. But they are so moved with love and compassion that they go to Job. And what do they do? They simply sit with him and say nothing. For seven days and seven nights, 168 hours, they sit with Job in silence on the floor. You know, you can imagine, can't you, Job? He's in pieces. You know, you can almost imagine him curled up in a ball, kind of overwhelmed with the suffering. And what do they do? They sit maybe just put a hand on his shoulder. It's why we can't do church from a distance. We can't do church just when we feel like it. We have to be church. We have to be family. So that we are known and that we know others. So we can be loved and love others. We have to be in community and be family so we can know when there is need in other people's lives and other people can know when we need them to sit with us. Why do we still live stream? Having said all of that, why do we still do it? Well, because not everyone can come in person. And one way, if you like, we can sit with people. We can show them that they're not forgotten. And if that's you at home watching this, you're not forgotten. And so the PA team and the media team struggle with cables and getting the right sound balance for home, for the live stream, so that people know they're not forgotten. The church is a hospital. But all of us are the doctors and the nurses. Because we are family. It's radical in today's society. It's countercultural, but it's beautiful and it's world changing. We need to be all that Jesus wants us to be. And if we are going to be that as a church family, we need to be a school. We need to learn the ways of Jesus. We need to be his apprentice. But we need to be a family on mission. We need to be that army who goes out and helps others to counter Jesus and to see their lives transformed. You know, we need to radiate the love of Jesus through washing each other's feet, you know, in serving each other. But we also need to wash the feet of the communities in which we are placed. You know, we need to eat together. I love the fact I hadn't really thought about this talk and the bring and share lunch. It just so happened it was on the same day. We need to eat together. And when we eat together, we need to do life together. And that might be laughing together. It might be crying together. You know, we need to serve each other. That's what it means to be the body of Christ. That's what it means to be family in the vineyard. So I'm going to finish and then we're going to do ministry with probably the most famous verse depicting the body of Christ from Acts 2. And it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Shall we stand and let's have some ministry? Come to come it sounds amazing but it's hard to do it's hard to be the body of Christ as Jesus intended and you know um, another Wimbeth saying was we all walk with a limp we all carry stuff that's difficult It strikes me that sometimes we can, two things can happen in life. Life can be really good, and so we think, great, we can do it on our own. And life can be really bad and we hide away. And I don't know where you are, you know, whether you're at and you're here this morning, great, or maybe you're watching on the live stream, and life's really good and life's really bad, but you kind of think, well, I need to just get it through on my own. Well, the first thing I wanna say is, you're never on your own, and, and maybe this morning, whether you're at home or here, it's time to respond and and just let people gather around you and pray. So that's the first thing. No matter where you are, whether you're going through a really good spell and you think, I just want, even in this time, to give it all to God. Or whether you're going through a really difficult time thinking of running away. Then let's have some ministry around that. I really felt that for some of you, the church hasn't been all it should be the body of Christ hasn't been what it should be for you. And maybe in your past, there's like these wounds that you're carrying, unkind words, or times when you've been maybe abandoned by people you thought should be there for you. Maybe you've been like Job, but nobody came. If that's you, then Those wounds can define us. And Jesus doesn't want them to. So if that's you and you're carrying a few wounds, let's pray that God would bring healing and freedom. So that you can re-engage with his family once again. So we should start there.